Hey everyone, Tri-State Sacks back with another Playing Around with Playbook this week. We're going to be talking to the amazing Todd Stoll. I'm super excited to speak with him today, and I know Sammy is as well, so let's just give him a second to get on here. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> Hi, Todd. All right, awesome. Hi. That took a minute. Who knew I had to update my stuff? Man. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I'm so glad you could get on, though. I'm glad you could figure it out. Some, I mean, sometimes crazy. people don't figure it out. So, well, you made it happen. I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> awesome. Yes, of course. Let me just get Sammy on here. It's so great to speak with you. Um, I've been following you for a while now. So, um, yes, if you don't know me, I'm Trista. I am a saxophonist and studying music <laughs> educator in the city as well, you know, on the playbook team. So we're excited to get started. Hi, Sammy. Todd, thank you for updating. I know you're living in 2021. You got to be living in 2022. I know. I, I, I can barely write 22 on any documents now. So <laughs> 21, that was hilarious. You mean 1921. Oh, <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> now That's we're so talking about my music go ahead Chris, to start the show I'll let Trista yes yes of course um so let me just introduce Todd for the playbook audience um an experienced performer Duke Ellington expert and jazz advocate Mr. Stoll founded the Columbus Jazz Youth Orchestra in 1991 to give young people the chance to cultivate a love of jazz through performance he served as the director until 2011. Under his direction, the CG, CJYO released six CDs, participated in the prestigious Essentially Ellington competition at Jazz Lincoln Center, and toured Europe and South America. Uh, in 2011, Mr. Stoll became the Vice President of Education at Jazz Lincoln Center in New York City, which is amazing, uh, which continues to afford him the opportunity to bring jazz education programs to thousands of peoples of all ages and socioeconomic levels. He holds a Master's of Music from... University of Cincinnati College Conservatory and a Bachelor of Music from Miami University. He's currently the Board of Jazz Education Network, um, where he's president, and the New York City Chapter of Most Valuable Kids and the National Association for Music Education Policy Roundtable. So super excited to talk to you about all these amazing experiences, Todd. Um, so to start us off, just want to ask, what have you been listening to lately? Um, Grayson Nekrutman, that's what I've been listening to. He just joined and said hi. He's a former student of ours. So what have I been listening to lately? That's not a good question to ask me because listening is my work too, right? So I'm listening to the nearly 100 Essentia Ellington uh, tapes that were due. Tapes. I said tapes. Look oh, right, I right, right. I went all 1980s on you, Sammy. Um, I've been listening to the... Um, the audio submissions online of the 87 or 88 high schools that sent in uh, recordings for Essentia Ellington mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. um, I've been listening to next year's Essentia Ellington music, which I'm proud to say um, is our first foray for Essentia Ellington into Latin jazz. Mm -hmm. um, the, Ooh, the great nice. album, the great album Kenya by Machito. Mm. Um, so we're doing four tracks from that as well as four Ellington tracks. And, um, I listened to a little bit of Doja Cat. So I don't know if you're down with the Doja, but get down with the Doja. <laughs> I'm definitely down with the Doja I'm trying to keep a straight face as I said that because Sammy's about to fall out of his chair. That's Doja. so funny. Sammy doesn't I love know nothing that. about Doja. Come on. I don't Sammy. know. 
I love like that. It, I love man. that. You, Todd, have you ever heard of the Spotify Wrapped? It tells you what your most listened to artists are. And I was looking back at my Spotify Wrapped, and it was like all jazz, and it was like Rich Perry, Count Basie, and then it was just like Doja Cat. <laughs> you know. So I, I guess that's... I pride myself in being um, hipper than my children, who are twenty nine and twenty six, and uh, they're like Doja Cat's not for us. That's for kids. So <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's great. That's great. Um, <laughs> So going off of what um, we know about you, I know that you founded the Columbus Jazz Youth Orchestra in 1991. Can you tell me about your inspiration behind this and how you went about it? Um, well, you know, I was in a city where they had lots of all-star groups for kids. They had um, Ohio's big brass band territory. So we had all-star groups for brass bands. We had a really good youth orchestra. We had a really good youth wind ensemble. And I just thought, you know, we should have something for jazz. Um, it kind of filled a, a niche that was missing. And I also worked, you know, it was, it was part of a program through the Columbus Recreation and Parks Department. So it was free for kids. Um, and we really, you know, one of the things that I was really interested in was taking suburban students and city kids and putting them together, uh, which is a, a kind of a, a, an integration of both, you know, it's a racial integration. It's a socioeconomic integration. It's just a completely different circumstance. Kids that live in an urban environment um, have different experiences and bring different things to the table than kids that live in the suburbs. Um, <laughs> there's my, my man, Chris Jody, Columbus jazz scene legend. We know you're a legend. Your Even fan base is getting on here. <laughs> He's in New York. He's just a legend. Can, I don't know if I'm a legend. Awesome. I'm getting well, old, so. <laughs> that's the first step to becoming a legend. That's it, right. Yeah. Then I have to die. Thanks, Sammy. <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, so, but yeah, that that's amazing to hear about that. I mean, um, accessibility is um, definitely really yeah. important at uh, Playbook as well. Um, what is um, the Columbus Jazz Youth Orchestra up to today? Are you still um, a part of the structuring of it? No. I work in New York now. I'm not in Columbus. I don't know what's going on there. No, <laughs> actually, I, I, a very, very close colleague of mine named Mark Donovan uh, runs it now, and it's part of the Jazz Arts Group of Columbus. And uh, uh, it is the Jazz Arts Group of Columbus is the oldest jazz nonprofit in the country. They're getting ready to celebrate their 50th anniversary. Uh, they have a professional jazz orchestra that's uh, run by. Uh, Byron Stripling, their education and a lot of their outreach is run by Zach Compton, and Mark Donovan directs the uh, Columbus Youth Jazz Orchestras, which now are went from one band. Mark came in when I was still running it and started a second band. We started a third band. I think they're up to four bands now. So it's uh, and I think they just celebrated their thirtieth anniversary. Oh wow! Which is scary to me because that man I started it when I was eight. <laughs> You know what? Todd always was a believer. He was always making stuff happen. Speaking of you being eight, let me ask you this, Todd. You know, now you've had a little bit of time as an educator in a whole bunch of places. What kind of advice would you give yourself? What stressed you out then that you're like, you know what? This you shouldn't be stressed about. This you should be focused on. What advice would you have given a young Todd Stoll when you were starting out as a mere eight-year-old teaching? Mm -hmm. An eight-year-old. <laughs> you go to bed earlier. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, it's funny. I was just in a school yesterday 
Um, one of the things I like to do is, you know, the pandemic shut so many things down and we did stuff like this. Um, since December, I've been in 15 different schools working with bands. Um, that's an interesting question, Sammy. Um, don't worry about how well your band plays. Mm. This like this like the the weight of teaching for music teachers. Everyone. So the reason why you go into music is because you opened up a saxophone case and you fell in love, or you <laughs> sang a particular song and you fell in love with the idea of of performing. Right. Um, no one fell in love with teaching when they were 15 years old, right? 16 years old. And then maybe they did. Maybe they'd had some type of experience. But what happens is that when you become an educator, you kind of set your performance ego aside. And then that your, your kids become your performance ego. And then you get really personally involved in what they sound like as opposed to what you're teaching them. So what I always tell, you know, I tell band directors old and young this, don't worry about what they sound like. Worry about what it feels like. Worry about what those kids are going to take with them. It's going to last for the rest of their life. And don't worry about, you know, the, the competitions and the festivals and the being judged. What is most important is those kids connect to something you know, greater than themselves. Cause that's, we just all, we all worry about, Oh, you know, it's gotta be a perfect performance, man. People that's, we strive for excellence, but because we teach a certain way, we've lost our connection to the fact mm. that music is the art of the invisible. It's magic. You're literally doing magic with kids and you've got to make those connections to people um, that make it, make them become passionate about it for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Was there ever a connection for you, like with, a, with an educator or with a specific uh, performer that inspired you to pursue music? I was really uh, quite blessed to have amazing music teachers. I'm just old enough um, that the, the generation after World War II, um, you know, the generation of professional musicians that went to school on the GI Bill that became band directors and orchestra teachers. Mm -hmm. I had amazing teachers when I was a kid. Now, when I was a kid, they were mean and scary. Uh, they were very demanding, uh, but they were also, they did it with a level of professionalism and love and understanding. Um, I had John Smirelli, Giovanni Smirelli was my orchestra conductor. He was the principal uh, violinist, the concert master in the local symphony in Springfield, Ohio, where I am currently uh in my childhood bedroom here um <laughs> and my band director bud arthur was a local trumpet player that played all the shows my junior high band director uh half ashenfelter was the local woodwind doubler for every musical and had his own jazz group and had a cool goatee that i liked and my jazz <laughs> band director was tom billing who i still play with to this day who had toured with a bunch of the big bands so they all had a level of like it wasn't just somebody who went to college and then started teaching. They were all professional right. musicians locally and they were heroes of mine. So every single one of them, um, and, and Michael Matamore was also came in to do high school band who actually, it's funny, Michael Matamore was the one who was the least well-known. He was the second bassoonist in the orchestra. And he taught me about Baroque music because we played the Vivaldi concerto for two trumpets when I was a uh, junior in high school. And I remember it was really difficult and he said, you're all trying to play it too fast. And he explained how Baroque tempos work and articulations. Um, I was like 15 years old. I still remember that. 
Yeah. What about, uh, you know, a, a big, one of the center of, of the education that happens at Jazz Lincoln Center, and I've been fortunate to be a part of that Jazz for Young People series. Mm -hmm. Why is Duke Ellington come up again and again? Like you talked about magic. Like, yeah. what, why does he, what, what about him is so important for, for people to understand as educators and as young performers? Yeah. Um, I mean, <sighs> I was trying to explain this to somebody at lunch today. Duke Ellington wrote a, composed a wider array of styles and sounds and colors that represent, you know, life in America than any other composer. I mean, look, you could take a piece by Duke, a piece by Benny Carter, a piece by Mary Lou Williams, and a piece by Frank Foster, and all four of them would be equally as great. But, the other three combined didn't write nearly a fraction of what Duke did. And when I say a fraction, I mean infinitesimally a fraction. So if you wrote a thousand pieces, which I think Winton is up to almost a thousand now, that's like a third of what Duke did. You know, he published nearly 2000. There's probably at least almost that number that he didn't publish. Um, and it's such a wide variety. And, and what I told somebody today, I said, when you listen to an Ellington composition that you've never heard before, you have to realize it is an act of resistance. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Y'all and, and, and play a piece that he wrote about the black experience in America. Um, Wait, Todd, you cut out for one I second. You didn't hear that. You said, bit. you said, Oh. You're cutting out a little bit. Oh, am I? Sorry. Leaving us on a cliff. My Leaving us on a cliffhanger, Todd. <laughs> yeah, it cut out. It cut out right when you right when you started responding. Yeah, Still now you're here. Good. Still here. Okay. What? 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 Yeah. You, what'd you miss? Awesome. Right when you started talking. <laughs> we heard active resistance and then I wanted to hear what you were saying next. Okay. Yeah, try yeah, it again. yeah, that part. There we go. Damn. Todd, we're loose. Yeah, cliffhanger. I'm telling you, cliffhanger. We're going to have to do a part two for this Todd interview. <laughs> can you hear me now? So sorry, Is Todd. Better? We can blame the state of Ohio. <laughs> Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Am I here? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Awesome. Yeah, so right after active resistance. Oh, we might have to shut this, cut it short. What do you think, Trista? Maybe give it another minute. Yeah, we'll give him a second. Hey, what? This is why I told you. I'm right here. Todd, that he's... Here I am. Awesome. We can hear you. So you were saying active resistance? Can you hear me? <laughs> is this yeah, better? I can hear you. Yeah. We can hear you. So, somebody put spectrum cable in there. <laughs> That's what it is. No. So every piece of music by Duke Ellington is, is an act of resistance against the, this, the stuff he was dealing with every day. The racist... Mm. Um, demeaning, degrading uh, you know, systems and behaviors of his fellow citizens. 
Um, and it was not just an act of resistance. It was an act of love. It was, you know, resistance through love, right? So mm -hmm. as Duke is writing these beautiful pieces of music, he's letting people know, hey, I'm here. You're not keeping me down. Um, it really is something that to me is quite remarkable. And that's all, you know, black musicians throughout time in America. But Duke's, Duke's understanding of color and form and beauty and just humanism. He was a universal humanist. So when you hear, hear something like half the fun from the Shakespearean suite, or you listen to Sunset and the Mockingbird from uh, the Queen suite, and then you put that up against, you know, a shuffle blues like Total Jazz, which he wrote as a portrait of Ella Fitzgerald. I mean, those three are so completely different and so mm -hmm. beautiful and so unbelievably powerful that it's hard to imagine a human being did that. Like one guy did all of that, especially mm -hmm. given the circumstances he was fighting against the whole time. Of course, of course. Thank you for that. Um, in your position as a VP of education at Jazz Lincoln Center, what was the transition like for you from thinking locally um, to managing an organization working across the globe? Um, you know, it's, it's for me and I look, I hate sports analogies. They're, they're stupid, but <laughs> I'm going to make one anyway. It's like the difference between a passing game and a running game in football. You have to do both. So as I've been out visiting schools very locally and talking to directors, you know what? I have this theory now and I, I've, I've, my mind has shifted. The transition wasn't tough for me because I've always thought kind of, you know, kind of bigger than, you know, my, you know, what I was doing. Um, you know, mainly because I just thought, Hey, I'm right. Why won't more people do this? Um, but <laughs> part of it is, is I know that idea. feeling, you know, Sammy knows that feeling. But part of it is just the idea that I believe the arts are such an integral part of people's lives that while I appreciate the ability for the three of us to get on here and do it, you don't necessarily change a person's life over this kind of medium. You have to be in a room with them. You've mm -hmm. got to be in a room with them and they've got to feel you and feel your presence. It's why the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra is touring right now in the midst of all of this. We've got a seven week tour, um, which is the longest tour we've done in probably five years. Because when, you, when you're in a room sharing space with someone, the spiritual essence of that thing I talked about, the art of the invisible, kind of manifests itself. So for me, it was a matter of how can we create that space and recreate it multiple times over many cities and many programs and many experiences. And that's what we've tried to do. Well, one last question, Todd. I know, you, like you just mentioned, you aren't the biggest fan of digital learning. How do you see any positive in it? I mean, like, I'm even thinking about with Swing University, like some of those master classes yep. Yep. made a huge impact on me. Like the fact that Phil Schaap's interviews are still there, the interview that I'm thinking that Michael Moenzo did with John Hendricks, like those things are powerful. Like. Do you see yeah, positive? Yeah. I know you're not a fan. No, of no, it. I, no, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it in terms of. Look, I, I, I am a fan of all types of learning. You know, reading a book by yourself, listening to some music. Um, I don't, you know, the digital space has allowed us to be connected. We sold almost thirty thousand tickets last year for Swing University during the pandemic. Thirty thousand. We never did more than sixteen hundred in a good year. So from sixteen hundred to thirty thousand, man, I'll take that. Um, but ultimately, I want those people to go out and experience live music. 
because live we're never going to be replaced as musicians by robots. I just don't think it'll happen. I feel like this the human we don't want to lose touch with our humanity. Um, and there is, you know, look, there's a big upside to digital learning. Shoot, I you know it was funny. My my first gig, I'm a trumpet player. Um, during the pandemic, a buddy of mine from Chicago was like, man, you sound a lot better. It's because I sat at home and practiced. But I was I was like checking out, you know, I was transcribing solos and doing things. And a lot of that took place digitally for me. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about digital learning. And there's a lot of information of ways that we can stay connected. Um, but ultimately, I want that digital experience to inspire you enough to go out and hear some live music. Maybe you'll catch a uh, Sammy Miller in the congregation in a town near you. Listen to him. I like what Todd's saying. He's a smart, he's a smart. <laughs> I've been around a while. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today, Todd. It was awesome talking with you and hearing about your experiences. And I look forward to continuing to follow you. So everyone from the Playbook community, um, keep up to date with Todd on his Instagram and with the, the Jazz at Lincoln Center Education Program. And give us a follow at Playbook Jazz. Um, and we'll be back next week with another plan around with Playbook. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you again, Todd. Um, I'm going to sign off now. Thank, thank you Todd. all very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Mwah. Love you both. Bye. <laughs>